I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're looking at the US presidential election, which has taken a dramatic new turn with the sudden illness of Hillary Clinton and a tightening in the opinion polls. So could Donald Trump actually win? Joining me in the studios are Chief Political Commentator Philip Stevens and Sean Donnan from while Washington DC Bureau is on the line. Sean, what are the latest opinion polls? What are they saying? They seem to be tightening and suggesting that this is now not going to be a blowout for Hillary Clinton, but quite a tight race. Absolutely. What we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks as we've come out of the summer into the real final stretch of the campaign is the polls tightening from an average of 7 or 8% lead for Hillary Clinton nationally to something more like 3 or 4%. And that's been the trend, is that there's been a definite narrowing. And importantly, there's also been a narrowing in her lead in a number of key states, like Ohio. New poll out today showing Donald Trump leading in Ohio, which is a Rust Belt state where he should be doing very well, which has also had a record of picking the next president going back decades. So, Philip, Trump is a candidate that the political establishment has barely been able to kind of give credit that he exists, that he's been doing so well. But as somebody who goes back and forth to the US, are you now thinking seriously about the prospect of a President Trump? I think one has to think seriously about it. I think anyone who followed close up the Brexit campaign in Britain will understand how the conventional wisdom of the British establishment, in that case, it was that Britain would always vote in its economic self-interest can be overturned by what you might call the public anger with elites, the fact that people are feeling insecure with globalisation, and the sense that the country in Britain's case has been let down by established politicians. You see that in the US with Donald Trump's success. So it must be possible that that will triumph over the sort of conventional wisdom. I think possible at the moment, I wouldn't say probable. And Sean, I mentioned Hillary Clinton's illness. The pictures that were shot of her collapsing, apparently, were pretty dramatic. A few days on, how is that playing? And do we have any idea when she'll be back on the campaign trail? So she is going to be heading back on the campaign trail on Thursday. That's something the campaign announced late last night. The real significance of her collapse and the video that we saw, the really striking video of her knees buckling and her being sort of bundled into her car by Secret Service is that it took what had been a kind of fringe conspiracy theory that she was hiding something about her health, a longer-term health problem, and all of a sudden it made it a kind of mainstream story, and it overshadowed, again, some of the stuff that Donald Trump was doing that on other days might have dominated, possibly in a negative way, the news coverage. It's going to be really hard to tell how this plays out. One of the stories of this year is actually that on both sides we see voters have decided quite early. There's huge disapproval ratings for the other candidate. If you're a Trump supporter, 
there's nothing that Hillary Clinton is going to do now to get your vote. Likewise, if you're a Hillary Clinton supporter, it's very unlikely that Donald Trump is going to do anything that suddenly is going to cause you to change your mind. We should also say this is pneumonia. It's something that she can certainly overcome in a matter of a few days and put behind her. But one of the other issues that's tied in with this is this issue of transparency and candor among the candidates. And the real failing of the Clinton campaign here was in the way they handled the illness. She was diagnosed with pneumonia on a Friday. It wasn't until after she had this collapse on the Sunday at these 9-11 commemoration ceremony that they were forced to come out with something. And that just kind of fed this narrative that Hillary Clinton has always been hiding something and that she keeps an incredible guard on these personal details and and her personal life that breeds suspicion in the press. Likewise, Donald Trump is refusing to release his tax returns, which again is causing all sorts of suspicion. Today, he's going on a reality TV show to talk to someone called Dr. Oz about his own medical situation. There are all of these kind of interwoven and dueling narratives that we're seeing now, all of which just add to what is a really bizarre election. But Philip, I know that you feel that the kind of, on the one hand, on the other, that we heard from Sean there, and uh, which is echoed in the press coverage, uh, he was reporting on how the press is handling this, is kind of missing the point and is actually unfair on Hillary Clinton or perhaps too fair to Donald Trump. I do think that. I think it's pretty clear that Hillary Clinton is sometimes tactically inept in trying to guard her privacy a bit too closely. I think that's born of her experience over 20-odd years from, you know, the Whitewater scandal onwards. However much she says, there's always more. But I think there is a real problem when parts of the media, and not just the sort of crazy fringe media, sometimes seems to display a sort of moral equivalence between, for example, Hillary Clinton and her misjudgment of having a private email account and... Donald Trump saying, well, it would be absolutely fine if some of the countries in East Asia sorted out their problems with a nuclear exchange. Or Donald Trump saying, well, what a good guy Putin is. Or Donald Trump absolutely day after day or week after week telling what proved to be outright lies. So I think the media has to be a bit careful here about focusing too much on the small issues for Hillary and saying that they're somehow equivalent to these pretty dramatic and dangerous pronouncements of Donald Trump. Yeah, and and indeed, I mean, Sean, I suppose for me, when I try to take stock of, well, what is it about the Trump campaign that is particularly shocking? It is the way in which he's popularised what used to be crazy fringe conspiracy theories, starting with the idea that Obama's not actually born in the United States, more recently saying that uh, Chief Justice Antonin Scalia might have been murdered by liberals who want to take over the Supreme Court. And yet throughout this campaign, maybe the story of the campaign has been that all this stuff that has people like me up in arms saying this man is clearly not qualified to be president have not disqualified him and and on he's rolled. So is there any reason to think that there's anything that Trump can say that could uh, take him out of the race? I think Philip is absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. That false equivalence story here has become a bigger and bigger one. In fact, President Obama campaigning for Hillary Clinton yesterday in Philadelphia made exactly that point and pointed to the way that the press had been treating the Clinton Foundation versus the Trump Foundation, pointing out that the Clinton Foundation is uh, for all of the questions about its donors and their attempts at access to Hillary Clinton while she was Secretary of State was actually a charitable foundation that had done 
good in the world, and then pointing to the Trump Foundation, which is one that now is being investigated by the New York Attorney General for whether or not it was behaving properly as a nonprofit. Really amazing investigation by the Washington Post published over the weekend in which you discover that they had spent $20,000 on a six-foot portrait of Donald Trump, which Obama brought up yesterday on the, on the campaign stump. Also a question over, over the Trump Foundation and making campaign contributions to the Florida Attorney General at a time when she was considering an investigation of Trump University, which has been accused of fraud in, in other states. So clearly there is a difference in the media coverage, and there are different rules there. But I think that Donald Trump has acknowledged that during the primary campaign. He has said, you know, I could shoot someone in Times Square in broad daylight, and that wouldn't do anything to my support. And that's, in, in some ways, playing out. This really is an election that, as much as it is about these two personalities, these two imperfect candidates, is also about the divisions in America. You have just this increasing polarization in American politics, and that is just only getting worse this year, and it's only getting uglier. And we have some really worrying things happening. While Hillary Clinton made what is treated as a gaffe on Friday in terms of talking about half of Trump's voters being in what she called a bucket of deplorables, uh, racists, homophobes, xenophobes, Islamophobes, there is some evidence that Donald Trump has been courting a certain part of the right, a white nationalist right. In fact, his son, after Hillary Clinton had made this comment on Friday, tweeted out an image quite proudly of a, a lineup, including himself and his father and former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, under a movie poster sign called The Deplorables. And in there was a green frog. This is a cartoon character called Pepe the Frog, which is actually, on social media, a meme for white nationalist movements and something that they use to kind of make a nod to each other when they put stuff out there. It's an ugly campaign. There are definitely different rules for each of the candidates. It's just not quite clear how you overcome that. So quite clear evidence then that Trump is deliberately courting the racist right, if one can call it that. But we've now got two months to go, Philip. Traditionally, the debates have been pretty crucial in American presidential elections. There are scheduled to be three of them. How do you see those playing out? I think they'll be absolutely critical. A lot of people have made up their minds, but we have to presume, given what the polls are saying, that there is a section of swing voters who could push the election one way or another. I think what Hillary Clinton has to do, she has a great morass of policies, policies on everything, what she doesn't have, I think, is a single clear message about what sort of America she wants. And I think she's got to use the debates to try and, if you like, clarify her position into a slogan that's, you know, not comparable to making America great again, Trump's slogan, but something that shows what she stands for in a sort of fairly simple way. And I think she has to expose Trump for what he is and do so with clarity. I think Trump will continue the line that he's pursued all the way through, that Clinton's a liar, that she deserves, as we saw at the Republican convention, to be, quotes locked up. I don't think he's got anything else. But I think how they look during the debates, whether Hillary looks fit, composed, in control, will be very important. You spend a lot of time writing, as I do, about world affairs. 
How much of a revolution would it be if Trump won? I think it would be a complete revolution. We in Britain have thought the Brexit decision was pretty much a very large geopolitical upheaval as well as a blow in my case to Britain. But the election of Donald Trump, a man who was promised to be at once bellicose and isolationist in the conduct of American foreign policy, a man who sees Putin as an ally rather than an adversary, a man who says he's willing to pull up the roots of American alliances in Asia and in Europe. I mean, that changes everything, and we might be back to the 1930s and worse. Well, with that cheering thought, thank you very much indeed to Philip Stevens, and thanks also to Sean Donnan in Washington. That's it for this week, but I'm sure we'll be back to the American election before long.